Good morning. It's great to see you. Great to be with you. It's good to be back in town. Good to be back with the brethren. Thought about you uh, last week when we were worshiping with the brethren there in Lyman, Colorado. I'm thankful for the church there. And uh, we hit the week perfect. We hit there on their uh, potluck Sunday. So uh, we went first in line and ate everything. So they had empty plates to deal. No, we didn't eat everything. But anyway, um, but I, I, I don't mean to talk bad about Lyman, but our potlucks blow theirs away. But anyway, uh, they, they, they were uh, incredibly hospitable, and we appreciate that so much. Uh, we had a successful, enjoyable trip, and um, it's great to be back with you. I uh, appreciate the men, uh, Tim and Dennis and Vernon, who filled in for the classes and sermons while I was gone this time. And just next week, I'll be gone again. I'll be over in Bolivar holding a gospel meeting. And so we'll have different ones filling at that time. And you guys are going to use not see me around. I better watch out. You change the key on the door and I won't be able to get in. But uh Wow, Titus chapter 3, what a great thing. I read through this verse. Of course, I'm reading out the numeric standard, which is what up there now. And uh, Vernon was reading through the King James. And I read that. What a pitiful, what a pitiful people when you look at that. Think about that. Foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lush and pleasures, spending our life in malice, envy, hateful. And hate. Man, what a miserable bunch of folks. That's who we were. We also once were. That's who we were. If we don't watch out, sometimes religious people, Christian people, get to looking down their nose at other people because we think we're better than other people. I have a statement I say all the time. The only thing that makes me different than them is I'm forgiven. And that can only happen through the blood of Christ and obedience to the gospel is the only way you can receive the benefits of the blood of Christ. But I deserve, I deserve the same thing they deserve. But by the mercy of God and his grace, I don't have to pay for my sins because Jesus already did. And I get to go to heaven. So how great that is. But I think this is a strong point that he makes here. And that's how come I just chose just chapter 3. And I know the context goes further, but I thought you might want to eat today and get out before 5 o'clock. So we look at this. If you remember a couple weeks ago, he reminds us to be subject to rulers and authorities, obey the law. We need to be law-abiding citizens. We're not lawbreakers. We're law-abiding citizens. And we're going to be ready for every good deed. And then he goes on, but we weren't always like that. We weren't always like that. So I want us to think a little bit. Turn with me back to chapter 1 of Titus and verse 16. When I read verse 3 of chapter 3, I thought about this verse at the end of chapter 1. And this is what happens to a lot of people, a lot of religious people. They profess to know God. I'm a Christian. They profess to know God, but by their deeds, they deny him. They don't do what he says. I got a book that tells me what God wants me to do and does not want me to do. If you say you know him and don't do it, well, let's read on. By their deeds, they deny him being, here we go again, detestable and disobedient, worthless for any good deed. There'll be no eternal benefits to people that haven't come to know God. And that's talking about getting into a covenant relationship with them. 
Tammy and I, as of yesterday, have been married 46 years. You know, you can look in the Bible and it talks about the husband and wife relationship. And whenever someone's going to come to have a child, it will say something like this. And he knew her. It's talking about this relationship, this covenant relationship that people have. And so you look at that. So we have to have a covenant relationship with God. We've got to be in this. We've got to do what he commands us to do to reap the benefits of a relationship with God. And so it's so strong in here. So understand, you can say you know God. That doesn't mean anything. You can tell me you did this. I can tell you I did that. Well, you know, I might say, show me the pictures. You know, actions, and we look at factual things, that's way bigger, and we can see them, and that's a, you can say anything. That doesn't make it so. Just because you say you're a Christian, does that make you a Christian? Just because you say you're one of God's children, does that make you one of, no. Always bugs me the most when people say, well, all people are God's children. No. You're only adopted into God's family if you obey the gospel. That's how you become a child of God. We can look at those passages. I don't have them planned today, but you ask me and I'll give them to you later. But let's look at a few passages about this, who we once were. It's so important for Christians to understand, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not who I used to be. That's who I once were. Now on our way back, uh, Friday we went... Uh, through Winfield, Kansas, where Tammy and I grew up, and we saw people and stayed with my sister and brother-in-law, and Steve and I was talking a little bit, and we know, because we ran around with best friends, who we once were. And he just says, Kendall, we're just lucky to be alive. I said, we're lucky to get to our 20s. What are you talking about be alive now? And so that's who we once were. Now, we're not proud of that. That better not be who we still are. That's who we once were. So turn with me to a few passages. I might have more here than we're going to, time's going to allot, but go to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3. And I'll pick up at verse 5 of Colossians 3. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body. Hey, this is this thing. Consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amount to idolatry. Did you hear that? All those are really, every one of those are really a form of idolatry. And you know what that means? Because you're worshiping something else instead of God. For it is because of these things the wrath of God will become upon the sons of disobedient. God won't put up with it because you put son. He's jealous. He says either I'm first or I'm out. Wow. And in them, you also once walked when you were living in them. You don't look down like you think, oh, it's terrible when people do that. You should do that. But you, but now you also put aside all anger and wrath and malice and slander and abusive speech from your mouth. There you go. Do not lie to one another since you lay, laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on a new self who is being renewed 
in the true knowledge, that's important, how is it renewed? In the true knowledge, according to the image of the one who created him. There we're back to Genesis 1. We were made in his own image. So we look at that and we see this passage. He says, you got to put on a new self and you renew it by the true knowledge. Where do I find the true knowledge? I got a book. It isn't right because I think so. It isn't right because my mama said so. It isn't even right because you or I say so. It's got to get to the true knowledge. This is the truth. The word of God is truth. And so we hold on to that. He said, we got to renew ourselves according to this. So I got to get where I look more like what it says rather than like Kindle. Wow. So we've got to get more like Jesus, more like Jesus. We've got to put on the new self, but we've got to get the old self out of the way. It isn't like trick-or-treat and Halloween. Okay? Trick-or-treat and Halloween, people put a mask on. They wear it for a little while, and then they take it off, and they still look exactly like they always... There was no real change. There's Christians do that, too. They put their jacket and tie on Sunday morning. Man, I look real Christian today, don't I? But the rest of the time, they cuss like everybody else, dress like everybody else, act like everybody else, live like everybody else. But boy, they look good on Sunday. No, you got to put the old, so you got to get the old, so you got to change from the inside out. You know, I remember the statement someone made once uh, beauty's only skin deep, but ugly runs plumb to the bone. You know, you can change the outside, but I don't care how good you look on the outside. If you're rotten plumb to the core, it's no good. And so we got to get the old self out of the way so the new self can flourish. And he tells what, the, in this passage here, he tells the characteristics of an old self. I've been there and done that. That better not be who I am anymore. And I need to watch that all the time. So turn to another one with me. Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. I'm going to pick up at verse 3. Romans 6 and verse 3. I'm going to read down through probably verse 7. But he says, Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized to his death? Did you hear that? When I was baptized, it had something to do with death and something to do with the death of Jesus. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. Okay, somehow I'm taking part in this death. So that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in this life. So when I come out of watery grave of baptism, am I supposed to walk, live a different way than I lived before I was baptized? Amen. Said, you're new. Now, I know my sins have been washed away. I know I have a reservation made in heaven. I know Jesus added me to his redeemed family, the church, which he will save. But I got a change to make. I don't live the way I lived anymore. It should be obvious. Therefore, oh, let me pick up a verse 5. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, buried and raised, certainly we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we will no longer be slaves to sin. When I was buried in a watery grave of baptism, I put something to death, my old self. I put my old self to death. And you know what? My sins were done away with. That's what it says right there. Verse 7, for he who has died is freed from sin. 
You know, I've met people who became Christians, who were confessed Jesus, claimed all this, was baptized, but they never changed a thing. They never really repented. Well, you know, they didn't become a Christian, and their sins weren't done away with. If you just keep on doing the same thing, you always, if you were a drunk and you continue to be a drunk, if you're living in sexual immorality and you continue to live in sex, then there is no forgiveness of sin. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to learn things. It doesn't mean you're not going to learn things after you're a Christian that you have to, oh, man, I didn't know that was wrong. Well, what are you going to do about it? We all still learn things, right? So when I learn them, either I can be rebellious and, and bow my back. Well, I'm going to do it this we need to be a man like David who was after God's own heart. He sent what we would categorize as some big ones, right? We would categorize as some big ones. Killing somebody or having them killed. Committing adultery with someone else's wife. But why was he a man after God's own heart? Because when it was brought to his attention, he was remorseful to the point of begging for God's repentance and changing his life. That's how we have to be. So when it comes to us, we don't need to balk and say, who do you think you are? I'm the king of Israel. That's what David could have said. He could have asked for Nathan's head, couldn't he? He could have. But then he wouldn't have been a man after, I want to be a man after God's own heart. Let's look at another one. Oh, there's so much even in that one still. But 1 Corinthians 6, I mentioned this passage a lot because I think it's really plain. Now, we're going to go to verse 11, because I want you to see something, since we're with the idea of once we were, there in Titus 3, it says, such were some of you, okay? So whatever came before this is explained some people in Corinth that used to be this way. And probably we fit into some of these categories, or participated in some of these sins before we became Christians. But it says, such were some of you, but you were washed... Let's see, did Ananias tell Saul of Tarsus, what are you waiting on? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, Acts 22, 16. But you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of Jesus and the Spirit of our God. So this is who you were, pointing out this is no longer who you are. So some of you were this. Go back to verse 9. We'll read 9 and 10. They were What? Or do you not know the unrighteous, and we talk about that all the time, righteous is doing what's right, unrighteous is not doing what's right. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Will the unrighteous go to heaven? Poor grammar, but it ain't going to happen. The unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Now he's going to give you a list. This is not a complete list, as you'll see as we go on. But he says, do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor infeminates, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Wow. Such were some of you. Could you... Uh, Sometime in our past, could we have committed some of these sins and still go to heaven? I can if it's who I used to be, and it's no longer who I am. But if I continue in them sins, will I inherit the kingdom of heaven? I got it. Those have to be past tense. That has to be who I was 
Now, so it's powerful in Titus when he says, we once were. Isn't that interesting? The Apostle Paul writing to Titus. In this one, he says, such were some of you. In Titus, he says, I've been there too. Such we were. I think that's so powerful. Galatians 2 and verse 20, Paul says, for I've been crucified with Christ. He says, I live by faith. And he says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. He said, I'm a changed man. I'm a changed... If you read the life of Paul before he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, and you read... Well, he was Saul then. And you read about his life after that. Was there an obvious change? Like night and day, like hot and cold, like one thing to another. Wanting to kill Christianity to wanting them to see it spread more than anything. Wow. So much. Go back to Romans this time, Romans chapter 8. I'll try not to get lost in Romans 8 because I want to cover a couple other things too. Romans 8, what a passage about who we were and who we are. And he tells us there's two sides of us. Do you know... I know some of what, and I've been sitting in the class all the time because I was back with the boys, but um, in the beginning of Genesis, the majority of it at the very beginning is about physical creation. And even about God took the dust of the earth and formed a physical man. Now, the breathing of life might have been a whole lot more than just making him breathe because we see that he said, we're going to make man in our, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, our own image. Okay? So, I want you to think about that. So, I'm different. I'm not trying to get in any big debate. and We live in a bunch of crazy stuff. But you know how many created beings have a spirit? An eternal being? No, Walt Disney and the Pope are wrong. Dogs don't go to heaven. They don't have a soul. Matter of fact, only mankind has a soul. Now, I didn't say you couldn't have a little dog and some animal that's your pet and couldn't enjoy them and all. That's cool. But they're not the same as a human, are they? They're not the same as a human. If I got to choose between, I don't care, your favorite pet and someone's child, and I've got to save one and kill the other, the choice been made a long time ago. The child's going to, you say, well, that kid's rotten to the, might be, but it's still a human. God gave that human value that he gave no one else, nothing else. And so we look at this. So we, I've got my physical being, but the part you can't see is my soul and my spirit. I've been given this spiritual being. So, let's go on. Let's pick up at Romans 8 and verse 6. Here we go. For the mind set on the flesh is death. Do we ever get caught up in that, let the things of the world dominate who we are and what we think about? And Yeah. The mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. I like life and peace a lot better than I like death. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile towards God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not able, able to do so. If you live for the physical, you can't even live for God. It's impossible. You are hostile to God. Hostile? Yeah. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Used to be there. Such were some of you. 
Oh man, if we could go on and read, we'd see even in this next verse, however, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. I don't have time to cover this thoroughly, but just let me mention a few things. I'm going to mention two passages real quick. Acts 2 and verse 38. In verse 37, when they ask, what shall we do? What did Peter tell them they still need to do? They need to repent. And they need to be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. And would they receive something? Yeah, the Holy Spirit. And He would indwell them. Not empower them, indwell them. Okay? But if the Spirit does, that's where you receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in a watery grave of baptism. So when He says, you have to have the Spirit of God indwelling in you, you had to be baptized. Now let's see, just because you are baptized, does that mean the Holy Spirit is still dwelling in you? Your head shakes this way to that. No. 1 John 1 and verse 7 says, If you walk in the light as He Himself is in the light, you have fellowship with one with another, and the blood of His Son cleanses you from all sin. So the only way we're going to keep the Spirit in us is to obey and continue obeying after the point of baptism. We have to be a changed person. Now how often do we have to change? Any of you been Christians for a few decades, you still have to make changes? Yep. Sometimes you still mess up? Yep. Sometimes you have to own up to it? Yep. And you got to make change again, don't you? You can find that I got I I'm not I'm not doing that anymore. You're in trouble. You've got to endure to the end. And we can't ever quit. Oh, I wish we had more time to go into Romans 8 cuz I love Romans 8, but we'll jump over to another passage. While we're in Romans, though, before we leave it, it's out of order on my paper, but turn to Romans 12. I'd feel terrible if I talked about this subject and didn't mention this verse. Dennis loves this verse. I'm going to have to read 1 and 2, my points in verse 2. But in verse 1 it says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, listen to this, by the renewing of your mind. Remember the other one said, you need to be renewed in the true knowledge. you got to get the true knowledge in your head. you got to get it in there, the renewing of your mind. That's how you're transformed, so that you may prove what the will of God, that which is good and acceptable. Hmm. So do I need to study the Bible on my own so I can better understand it so my mind can be more set on the truth? Do I need to take advantage when brethren come together and study the Bible together? And sometimes do they hit on something maybe we wouldn't have thought about or maybe even in the discussion? Or, oh man, I hadn't thought about that part. And so we learn from that. And we renew our mind. And let's say we come to the service and everything that's taught and preached is something we already knew. But does it renew again what we already know? Isn't that important? You know, if you're going to remember something, you need to repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. Yeah, sometimes you get worn out with repeating things. You know, it's just like when I was driving down the road, it says, construction coming. And then I drive down, i seen the first orange sign, why does it say it again? And it says it again and again. They want you to know here up here in a little while you're going to get in the left lane because the right lane is closed. Well, I'm going to be a slow learner, so I'm going to stay in the right lane until the air is flashing on my hood. Okay? No, you look at that. They're trying to let you, they want, you can't miss this. 
You know, God's like that. He said, I want you to miss it. So I'm going to go over it and over it. And so when we preach and teach, it's rare that I go to a church service when I'm not preaching even or set to a Bible class that I hear some subject in the Bible that I never heard of. Because I've been reading the study of the Bible all my life. But sometimes, wow, I never thought about that. Or they'll say, oh man, I never thought about saying it like that, or never thought about that analogy. And they're, they're just gems that just jump out at you. Or I'm reminded, wow, I hadn't thought about that in forever. And I know that's an overstatement, but you got my point. So turn with me while we think about that. So we got to trend. We don't need to look like the world, act like the world, be like the world. We need to stand out in the crowd. Sometimes I think, I don't want to be mean, but sometimes I think we're ashamed to stand out. I'm telling you what, if Jesus lived in 2022 and he worshiped with us today and ran around with you this week, your life would be noticed. If he was with you all day, your life would be noticed more than it ever been noticed because he's different. Peculiarly different from the world. I think he would say things when we let things slide. I think he would say things in ways you never, you and I never have even thought about saying them. Because he understood the flesh is unimportant and it's hostile towards God. But the spirit is that which gives life and peace. So turn with me over to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. I'm just going to read uh, 22, 23, and 24 about this old self, new self. And then I just have a few other passages, maybe one other passage. And um, the life will be your... I know I still got a lot of time to teach but because it's just 4 till 4. So, um, I keep looking at that thing too, Ben. You get used to that, don't you? You know, when I was in Alaska and we built a new building, the elders there asked me, Kendall, if you could have anything in this building, what would it be? I said, please do not put a clock in the auditorium. Last time I was there, they still didn't have clock in the auditoriums. They knew I couldn't tell time anyway. So, uh, anyway, Ephesians 4, starting at verse 22. That in reference to your former manner of life, is that implying that you used to be one way and not... You lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. When you first meet Satan, he's a liar and deceiver. Yeah, and everyone who does what his will. And that you be renewed. There's another renewal thing. Man, maybe I should have preached a lesson on renewal. That you may be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on a new self which in the likeness of God is created in righteousness and holiness and truth. So what are you supposed to do with the old self? Lay him aside and put on a new self. You know, you need to be looking different and you need, you need to look like God. Well, that doesn't mean, I don't know what God physically looks like, but if you want to know what God looks like, who do you look at? Jesus. And I've read a whole lot about him. This book covers a lot about Jesus, not how he physically, you don't find a whole lot about his physical attributes, but you know how he thought, acted, spoke, you know all that, don't you? So we need to be that. We need to remember that. Old self, now a new self. Turn to one more with me. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And verse 17. I'll probably get lost here. So we ought to be out of here by two. <laughs> Revelation 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ. Okay, now before we go on. 
if anyone is in Christ. Now, what we're going to read after this, will it apply to anyone who's out of Christ? It will only apply to those who are in Christ. For free today, you get me to mention what Galatians 3.27 says. You know how you get into Christ? You pay your way in. No. You talk your way in. No. You dance your way in. No. You spit your way in. No. You're baptized into Christ. That's how you put on Christ. We can mention another passage like Colossians 2, 12, being buried. We can mention, but you put on Christ in baptism. So, here's what it says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Oh, that reminds me of John 3, 3 through 5. If you've been born again of water or spirit, hmm, then you get to enter into the kingdom of heaven. But you have to be born again. You have to start, you have to become a new creature. Not that physically become something different. You know, if I look like me when I go in the water, I'm still going to be bald-headed when I come up out of the water. I'm still going to have blue eyes when I come up out of the water. And I'm still going to be, even though the world doesn't seem to understand, I'm still going to be male when I come out of the water. Okay? But something better had changed on who I really am on the inside. Okay, so we look at that. He says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away. Behold, new things. But you're totally living for something different. Now, all these things are from God. Did you hear that? It didn't say all these things are from Kindle. These aren't from Kindle. Don't say the preacher said. Don't say Kindle. This is from God. Did you hear me? Now, these things are from God. Here's who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry. Of What's that mean, reconciled? He bought us back. He made us to start with. We sold ourselves into slavery to Satan by sinning, and Satan owned us, and God bought us back. And we, man, I'm telling you, he grossly overpaid for me. He gave his son for He got took. He loved me that much. Wow, that makes me swallow hard. He loved me so much that he let his son, by the time we turn back and look at that trial and that beating, that crucifixion, and it just makes it hard to eat, puts a lump in your throat, like someone hits you in the stomach. He loves me that much. So I look at, he reconciled, he bought me back. Satan says, I know he's only worth a dollar, but I want a million. I'll give you 10 million. He gave way more than money, didn't he? He gave his only begotten son. And then he gave us, once he reconciled us, he said, now I'm going to give you a ministry of reconciliation. So here's, you've been bought back, you've been saved, now here's your job, go save other people with the same message. Namely, defines this reconciliation in verse 19, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. How does he buy them back? Through the teaching of the Bible. If I had time, we'd turn to Romans 1.16. But the gospel is the power of God and the salvation. Potlucks won't save anybody. Fried chicken won't save anybody. Okay? Won't do it. Nice building won't save anybody. Your family name won't save anybody, okay? The word of re the gospel is the power of God. In the you got to teach them the book. 
In this book that's living and active comes the message of what to do to be reconciled, get out of ownership by Satan, and get into the blessed hope of heaven in Jesus Christ. And he said, Kendall, here it is. I bought you out of sin, and now you got this ministry. What do I do? Teach him the same word that you learned. Go to the same book. Here, he gave me the word of reconciliation. Get ready. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Ambassadors. That sounds like some political word I learned in U.S. history and world ambassador. It just, it means representative. So you represent them. So I want you to think about it. We represent Christ here. Not just here, on this earth. When you go to work, you represent Christ. When you drive a car, you represent Christ. When you mow your yard, you represent Christ. When you eat potluck, you represent Christ. Whatever you're doing, you represent Christ. But he says, we are ambassadors for Christ as though, I love this, I really love it in the numeric standard, as though God were making an appeal through us, listen to this, we beg you, like some of you remember, it's been several years ago, I preached a sermon and people wonder where I was going to go with it. I said, what the church needs today is more beggars. Church needs to be full of beggars. Did you know that? That doesn't mean you don't work. That doesn't mean you stand out and take money and food from people. Here's what, that we were begging on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. We need people, we need to be begging people to become Christians. Well, if I got to beg them, forget it. You ever heard people say things like that? You need to repent yourself then. If someone says, Kendra, you got to take a knee and say, you got to beg me to become a Christian. I'll take two knees and beg. I'll lay on my face and beg. If that's what it takes, I'll do it. I don't care. I'm unimportant to this. We need to be willing to. Be now, I want you to think about the guy writing this to the church in Corinth. Did it ever cost him anything to take the gospel to people? Worse than taking a knee and begging them? Listen to this. I'm going to read this passage, but I'm going to tell you where it's from after I read it. He says so many things here, it isn't funny. He says, five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked a night and a day and spent in the depth. And he continues on. Begging was nothing to him. Man, I've been beaten here within an inch of my life for preaching the gospel. I'll beg you to become a Christian. You know, when you think about it here in a little while, I want you to think about it. our invitation songs are begging people. That's what they are. They're begging people present to make their life right with God if they're not. Understand, that's what that is. And if we think they're anything else, we need to get our heads on straight. We're, and, if, and if our life isn't right, everybody in here singing that song is begging you to get your life right with God. You don't want to leave here unless your right, life is right with God. So let's back up. I better get back to that passage. Chapter 5, I'm going to start again at the beginning of verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God, because He made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. So, wrapping up, go back to Titus 3. 
we also once were. Brothers and sisters, if we can't say that, we once were this, because we still are this, then you need to correct that today. If you've never put on Christ in baptism, then you weren't once that, you still are that. And you need to confess the name of Jesus, repent, and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. So that in that watery grave of baptism, your sins are washed away, Jesus adds you to the church, and you have a reservation made in heaven. And you come out of that water to walk a changed new life. If you're a Christian, and you got caught up in the mindset and the actions of sinful life, God wants you back. Here's what it takes. You need to confess that sin, and you need to repent, and you need to be reconciled to Him. If we can help you, we beg you to come as we stand and sing.